0: Travel Commando podcast, baby. Okay, this is not the type of podcast which I normally do, but doing what I normally do is difficult right now, and I find this to be an interesting diversion. Okay, I think I may have gained some insight into the nubs which people find on megalithic architecture. All right. I don't want to instantly develop a reputation as some crazy pyramid guy or as an alien guy, so I will explain quite plainly some of what I believe. Okay. I believe that we certainly do not understand the entire history of civilization or mankind. I believe that mankind has lost and forgotten entire civilization's And probably eras. I believe that we don't have a solid lock on who built the pyramids or the Sphinx or the megalithic architecture around the world, on when the construction occurred, or on the reason for which the construction occurred, okay? I think there was a mathematical form, which we lost, perhaps more than one, which would explain the construction of many ancient and non-replicable structures. Okay? And that the answers to the whole mystery may have been burned at the Library of Alexandria. That all seems pretty rational, right? I don't think any of it makes me a member of the lunatic fringe. I don't think any of it really butts up against anything which has been or will be debunked. That stated, what I'm about to lay out. Will mix what I consider to be the completely rational, the relatively rational, and the wildly speculative. Okay? I do sincerely believe that I may have recently experienced a revelation which caused me to accept something which I once considered to be ridiculous as rational. Okay? My opinion is that to. To understand the construction of these ancient monuments, we have to do one of two things, right? We have to find an explanation that's so simple we've never even considered it, or we have to consider the construction in new and unconventional ways. Thinking very differently is what I'm talking about. Let me lay this out for you. This is one example of what I mean by thinking differently. Uh, Please keep in mind that I am not stating that I believe this happened. I am using this theory as an example to illustrate one of the infinite number of different ways in which we could consider the problem. Okay. Um, With regard to the pyramids, how did people move those stones around? Okay. Let's just say the stones were lighter than than they are now. Alright? In order for that to be the case, what conditions would need to exist? Well the laws of physics would have to would have to differ from those which we know. Right? Okay. That seems like a big deal, right? <laughs> I know. Let's work it out. Most cultures on Earth have a flood myth, right? Come on. Regardless of the various characters and plots, it's not a myth. There was at least one Great Flood. Let's lay out a theory which could explain giant blocks of stone being far lighter than they are today, and which also explains a worldwide flood. Well, if the Earth's atmosphere had been primarily composed of water at one time, the laws of physics would have been different than those which we understand today. Although I cannot determine in what way. Okay? But, if that atmosphere collapsed, worldwide flood. From the Christian perspective, 40 days of rain. And listen, having visited the Giza Plateau a handful of times, I can offer you the opinion that the Sphinx has been in contact with quite a lot of water one of my first thoughts was why doesn't anyone ever talk about the drip marks on its head? It looks to me like it could have been the centerpiece of a fountain. Okay, so there is a broad range of perspectives through which to view the situation. Maybe the builders just moved the stones with portable fulcrums. Maybe they floated the stones. Again, it goes on and on and on. Okay, The pyramids appear to be at least partially megalithic and one of the great mysteries of architecture and archaeology is the megalithic stonework around the world. We don't know for sure who built it or why. It is what we consider to be incredibly ancient and involves the movement, shaping, and manipulation of enormous stones many of them weighing tens to hundreds of tons. Okay, within the fields of archaeology and architecture lies the field of megalithic architecture or megalithic construction, and within that field of study is a more specific field of study, consideration of the nubs found on many of these stones. I've heard many theories, each of which seems to break down at some point. Okay, there are nubs around the world, but Peru is home to the largest known concentrations. I've heard that the nubs were used to move the stones. I've heard that the nubs were calendars. I've heard that the nubs were meant to cast specific shadows and various theories on what those shadows were meant to tell people. Okay, Uh, I've heard that the nubs and or the shadows mark astronomical events. It goes on and on again. Okay, I recently experienced a happy accident. I may have made a discovery about the stones and the nubs. Probably not. Okay, but maybe. All right, we have to think differently. I was trying to make a set of dice for a friend. On my Instagram page, you can see a picture of the result I produced when trying to manufacture one of the pieces. When I peeled the mold away, I had a revelation. There was a nub on the cube. Okay, now, to be precise, it was more of a post, but my pore was shallow. Had I filled the mold, there would have been just a tiny nub, okay? And after 5,000 or 15,000 years of wear, certainly after an ice age or two and a worldwide cataclysm, if built before those things occurred, it would have been ground down. Okay? I knew that to accept what I was seeing as applicable to megalithic stonework, I had to accept a theory which I had always rejected that the builders had poured the stone into molds while the stone was in a liquid state. That's a lot. However, all rock, given the right conditions, can become sand. We can make silicates into glass. Take a look at the pics on my Instagram page and see if you find a correlation between my idea and these structures. Okay. I think the nubs could be posts left over from the pouring apertures in the lids for the molds. So, if I have found what I believe myself to maybe have found, the builders vitrified the rock. Many, many megalithic sites exhibit signs of vitrification on the visible surfaces. Um, that the builders used vitrification and molding is quite an active theory, I had always rejected it, okay? But, how would people vitrify so much stone, right? Not just the surfaces, but an unknowable number of cubic meters of rock. Two steps. Lots of heat, and in all likelihood, the use of an additive. I think they would have introduced an agent, to accelerate the vitrification by lowering the melting point of the stone like salt lowers the freezing point of water and like various elements lower the melting point of glass. Okay? But how would they heat the stones efficiently? It seems like if they had built a fire right on the stone, traces of carbon would exist within the vitrified layers. But that's a moot point. This method wouldn't work at least not according to the current laws of physics and thermodynamics. Okay, I think we're talking about a furnace, maybe a stone foundry, alright, but out of what material would ancient people have built a furnace which would not melt itself in the process of heating up enough to melt stone? They would have used an existing space, like a cave. Okay, or would have built a furnace out of a stone with a higher melting point, or the same stone being vitrified, but without addition of the vitrification agent. A standing, reusable structure, like the Great Pyramid, maybe. Now, in order for the furnace to function, The presence of an inflow shaft and an outflow shaft would be required. A bellows might also be necessary. The pyramid has both shafts and a tunnel at the far end of which people could have placed a sort of bellows. Okay, so if all of this is correct and the first two layers of the Giza pyramids are megalithic, where were they vitrified? My guess is in a cave or underground. Okay, I told you it was going to get crazy, right? No, I don't think the Great Pyramid was built for use as a foundry, but I cannot dismiss the possibility. And this is a good exercise in thinking differently about the problem. By the way, while researching this idea, I found that a Mesoamerican pyramid was used as a foundry during the 1800s and by the way as far as i'm concerned i'm not saying this happened once again the dyna- the dynastic egyptians could have inherited or found the pyramids all right now here's a counterpoint to my nub theory the whole argument that the nubs are a molding remnant nearly collapses at why would the builders not just smooth them off of course i get that here's my answer i'm wrong They chose not to, or they couldn't. Travel commando out.